Welcome everyone to the seventh episode of the Bounce Pass, brought to you by the Sports Mecca. Once again, I'm your host, Stephen Abramo, and today I'm joined by Worth Blackman and Liam Quigley. Today's podcast is going to run through the Chiefs. It's going to run through a variety of topics. There's been so much that's gone on throughout the offseason. It was really tough to condense it all. So I figured, you know, focus on three or four topics, um, try to get the most out of those topics. So we'll start with the Frank Clark trade that happened um, earlier this week. And then we'll transition that into the Tyree Kill situation. I know that's a situation that I didn't think was even going to be an option when I thought that when I thought of this podcast, but it's something that's very, very significant. It'd be very important to talk about it. And then we'll kind of go through the draft, see, go through your guys' thoughts on the chiefs latest draft picks and maybe how many of those guys will fit on the current, on the roster for next year. Okay. Um, so just like I mentioned, Frank Clark trade happened earlier. Um, they got him from Seattle. In my opinion, I thought they gave up a good amount of guys. They gave up a good amount of pieces. I mean, they gave up their 2019 first rounder that just happened. They gave up their 2020 second rounder. And I believe a swap for a third rounder for, okay. is it next year or is it for 2021? Okay. Yeah. So, they did give up a good amount for him, but considering Frank Clark is one of the more premier pass rushers in the league, it was a move that Brett Veach had to make. And considering that they give up on Justin Houston, they they cut him. Uh, he ended up signing with the Colts, and they ended up cutting D Ford. And then he, after thoughts of the Chiefs were going to give him a franchise tag, but he ended up signing with the 49ers. Um, I mean, this Clark stats were really good this year, you know, 41 solo tackles, 10 tackles for loss, you know, had almost 30 quarterback hits, 13 sacks. I kind of just want to get your thoughts on not just the Frank Clark acquisition, but maybe how much of a upgrade he is from, you know, what, what they had in D Ford or how much of an impact he's going to mean to their defensive line. Uh, Worth, you want to go first and then I'll follow you up? Perfect. So, I think I honestly think he's a big upgrade over D Ford. You know, personally, I think these uh, stats were a little inflated this year, considering teams were always playing from behind. Uh, so, it gave him more opportunities to, you know, I guess, kind of make an impact in the pass rush. Um, considering teams are, you know, had to throw the, the football a lot. Um, but it sounds like Trent Clark is a lot more well-rounded, and he really fits the size and kind of the length of a typical Steve Spagnuolo defensive end. So I think Frank Clark's, personally, I think he's a top five D end in the league, and we can see him really have a great year in, in this defense. Yeah, I think, uh, you know what, they might have given up a little too much. I think uh, the 2020 second rounder might be a little too much in my eye. Um, I think ideally you wanted to just give up that first round pick and move on, but Seattle was going to have to ask for a little more to make the trade a little more fair for them. Um, and I think in terms of Ford, he's definitely an upgrade over Ford. Ford played at, he came into training camp at 232 pounds as a 4-3 defensive, or as a 3-4 outside linebacker. 
excuse me. And uh, the simple fact is, if we go back from 2014 when he first got drafted until up until this year, he's been very inconsistent. And even the year that he did have 10 sacks in 2016, I think nine of them came in like a six-game stretch or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just sim- simply think his play has been a little fluky. I think he was in a contract year, which definitely inflated some of his numbers. And I think Clark's just an over, overall better player, especially against the run. Mm-hmm. And I think what you also got to add into between Frank Clark and D Ford is, you know, Frank Clark's been actually healthy. He's played 15, 16 games ever since he's gotten the league. And the Chiefs really haven't had a consistent, they haven't had a consistent bill of health with Ford. He was able to stay healthy this year for the most part. But I think, wasn't this, this past season, the very first year he actually was able to play 15, 16 games. I mean, they had, some yeah. seasons where he had, you know, eight, nine games and his production wasn't um, as good as it could have been. So I do think, yeah, Clark is a overall better player. But... I think, too, you consider, you consider, sorry for interrupting, but um, I think Spagnuolo is going to try to run a lot more stunts and a lot more creative uh, scheme mm-hmm. things that Bob Sutton was not running. Bob Sutton was just literally brushing three or four um mostly uh four actually mostly three most of the time and he dropped guys into coverage i mean how many times did we see houston drop back into coverage and and play the linebacker spot which was beyond me i don't know why they did it but hopefully his creativity will uh, have a positive impact on this upcoming season yeah yeah so it's good that you brought up spagnola another thing that i was going to kind of transition to is the addition of tyron matthew at the safety spot do you think how much of an impact do you think Matthew will, will bring to the Chiefs' defense? Uh, and, you know, how much can Spagnola help? Because obviously it's different, you know, it's obviously it's a different system that Spagnola runs than what Bob Sutton runs. But, you know, do you, do you guys think that Matthew will have a seamless transition or do you think it will take him a while? I, I think it would be pretty seamless for Tyron Matthew. You know, he's, he's a vet. And Spagnolo, as you mentioned, Liam, he likes to mix it up. He likes to, um, they've called Tyron Matthew chess piece. He likes to have chess pieces um, and throw different different looks at offenses. Uh, and that's something that Tyron Matthew really thrives on. You don't know if he's going to blitz. You can line him up at cornerback, or you can even put him back at safety and let him kind of roam. So I, I think his value actually isn't being talked about enough. I think he's going to have a huge impact on this defense. Yeah, his impact's going to be felt. Um, he's a great player, and again, like they said, he's a chess piece. He can play all over the field. He can play linebacker. He can play nickel corner. He can play safety. He can play over the top. I mean, he plays everything. Um, similar to how Thornhill plays, and I think that's why they took Thornhill in, in the back end of the second round was because he's a chess piece guy. You can move him all over the field. And in this day and age in the NFL, you don't want a guy that can just play one position. You want a guy that can play multiple positions and do it effectively. So I think uh, both of those guys, but specifically Matthew, bring that to the defense. Yeah, yeah, I know you. Uh, I know Liam's a big, big fan of of uh, Thornwell. We'll actually we'll we'll get to him. And uh, Worth was actually a really big fan of Miko Hardman even before the draft. Uh, so we'll get both of your opinions uh, once it comes down to talking about the draft. Um, but other than Matthew and other than Frank Clark, do you guys see any other ish- Any other? I mean, they didn't really. You know, they didn't really make any additions at the linebackers. And Damien Wilson, I believe they picked up from from Dallas. I mean, do you? Liam said that he was 
you know, Liam actually told me that he's not you're not too concerned about their their linebacker situation with Hitchens and Ragland. You think that they'll be able to fit Spagnola's system. I still thought they should have drafted a linebacker to fit, but I mean, what are your guys' opinions? Do you think are you guys fine with Ragland and Hitchens going to the next year? Yeah, uh, you know, Hitchens had a lot of success in Dallas in a, three, in a sorry, a four-three system. Uh, you know, where he was able to just kind of roam around and and make plays, and uh, he racked up a lot of tackles um, down in Dallas. So, I think switching to the four-three and taking some responsibility off the linebackers this year uh, is going to be huge, and it's really going to help Raglan, Hitchens, O'Daniel, uh, Damian Wilson. I, I feel pretty comfortable with those four guys kind of in a rotation. Um, you know, I, I know Spagnolo, his best years, his best defenses have all had a very strong front um, defensive line, and Brett Beach has done an incredible job completely revamping that. You know, last month we were really concerned about that. Now I, I actually think we've won the best defensive lines in football. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, that's a great point. And I think another thing, I don't even know necessarily that Ragland's guaranteed on this roster. I think his spot is more for grabs than people realize because he was a 3-4 guy. He was more of a 3-4 uh, thumper. He played that at Bama. And when the when the Bills drafted him, um, they moved on from him because they were going to switch to a 4-3. So I don't know if he's necessarily as guaranteed as everyone thinks, but I think Dorian O'Daniel will play a big impact. I think Wilson will play the Sam spot pretty well. Um, and I, you're just hoping at this point that Hitchens just transitions back to the 4-3 well. And I think another thing, you know, we talked about the Badger and Thornhill being able to play multiple positions. You can put those guys in the box and have them act as a linebacker. Um, so in that, in that case, that definitely helps too. Yeah. You know, I was a big fan of O'Daniel when he actually played. Uh, I believe his coming out party was when the Chiefs played the Bengals early in October. Daniel was one of the few outside linebackers uh, for the Chiefs that actually could cover the field and, and can roam and actually finish tackles. Uh, the problem was for Daniel Laster was he just couldn't stay healthy. I mean, he I think only played a couple games. Um, but the key the key for him is to obviously stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, that solidifies their linebacking core. But um, but yeah, just what Worth alluded to before their 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 defensive line is. Very good. I think that's probably right now. It's it looks like it's the best part of that defense. I mean, you got not only do you got Frank Clark, but you, but you have Chris Jones, who had an, a sensational season last year. You they were able to get key additions with Emmanuel Emmanuel Agba, um, Alex Okafor. Who knows what happens with Derek Nottie? Hopefully, he can improve. I thought he had somewhat of a Rookie, he he struggled a little bit as a rookie, but I thought as the season gone on, he made some strides. Um, but I think from what the draft is, from what Beach has done through the draft and what they've done through free agency, de- their the defensive line definitely looks like it's going to be the strength of that defense. Yeah, and, uh, you know we kind of touched on it earlier, but Sutton put a lot of responsibility on the linebackers. You know, Derek Johnson was pretty much. The, the play caller on the field. He, he was making the calls. He was adjusting the D-line. And with Spagnuolo, obviously, I think after the draft and every all the moves they've made this offseason, I think it's pretty obvious that Spagnuolo and Beach prioritize defensive line and the safety position. Um, 
And once again, I think that'll take a lot of pressure off of the linebackers, so their um, their game games will definitely improve this year. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think Saunders is going to play a big role too. I think he's he's similar to Natty in the sense that he's really good against the run, but I think he offers more upside in, in uh, the pass rush department. I think that he can be a beast if he's coached up properly with Britt Reed against the line. Um, if they can coach him up, he can be he can be a force, man. Yeah, Kenny yeah, sure. Saunders is uh, wasn't he listed at three hundred and thirty pounds? Yeah, and he's doing backflips and stuff. He played running back in high school. He's a he's a freak athlete, man. He can he can play all over the place. Yeah, man. Yeah, so we'll get into we'll get more into Saunders and more of who they drafted a little bit, but you know we're we're gonna we're gonna be moving on from the Frank Clark trade and kind of some of their acquisitions on the defensive side, and we're going to move more into the Tyree Kill situation. Um, again, I mentioned earlier, it's not a situation that I hoped that we would be talking about um, when I set this up, but it's a, it's, a, it's a situation that I think really looms large for, for the Chiefs' future, and it's a very sad, sad situation. Um, I, know, I know both of you guys have definitely have been following it up with the situation with Hill where – you know, back in March, you know, he was linked to um, some instances about he how he was, you know, beating his three-year-old child um, in his Overland Park home. And there really wasn't a lot of information that came out as soon as that happened. It kind of took maybe three weeks, a month, until we actually heard more information about it. And unfortunately, that information came out just this week where DA officials were uh, checked into his home. And I believe that they said there was no crime committed at his home, but they were still, they were still talking to Tyree kill and his fiance. Um, and then really the incident, I thought got just blown to a huge level when Kansas city TV five, which is the, the local news station in Kansas city, was able to leak out an audio recording of Hill's fiance saying that, you know, their son said that Tyreek Hill punched his son in the chest and there was some just not appropriate language that was in the recording. And, you know, what's, what's led to it has been the chiefs suspending him, I believe indefinitely from all team activities it's just not a really, really good situation. It's it's sad. It's sad because you know the the state of the three year old child is is definitely not in a good standing. And then for Tyreek Hill, um, I mean, you guys definitely know of what ha- of his past. You know, before he even got drafted, he was, you know, I believe guilty of punching his pregnant girlfriend, which is now his fiance, and. It's 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 unfortunate because because Tyreek Hill had the opportunity to redeem himself by getting drafted by the Chiefs, and really for the first I would say three years since he's been in the NFL, he did a good job of keeping his image clean and keeping himself out of trouble. But it just so happened where he was able to not keep him he wasn't able to keep himself under control, and now he has this situation staring him in the face. So. I want to kind of get your thoughts on the information. I think that Tyreek Hill is probably going to be done as a chief and not just as a, actually I shouldn't say not just as a chief. I don't think he's going to be playing in the NFL ever again. If, 
if the NFL can actually act and and hammer him home, I don't think he's going to be playing anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think definitely think there's a chance that uh, he's banned from the NFL. But what's kind of frustrating to me if if they don't decide to you know give him a ban, he's all, he'll obviously get a suspension. But you know what happened with Kareem Hunt, how the Chiefs received a lot of backlash. Um, with how they handled the Fremont situation, and they cut him, did what was right, and now the Browns are kind of being praised for giving him a, a second chance and kind of working with him. Right. Um, obviously, these are two different situations. One involves um, that girl, and the other's uh, Tyreek's child. Um, but at the same time, it's just it's frustrating to see um, you know, the Chiefs get backlash and then these other teams kind of receive praise for trying to work with someone rather than um, cut them loose. So, no, I, I yeah, think obviously what happened with Tyreek is, is terrible, and I, I do think he'll end up being released if not banned for life. Yeah, I think uh, I think they got to just go ahead and cut ties with him. And I think I think the sad part is, I, I mean, I know it's draft weekend, and they have a lot of stuff going on, and they have to go through the process of making sure that audio was in fact him. But I think the longer that you wait here the worse you're just making it seem not only for the organization but just for everyone in general i think the longer you wait i mean look look what happened i mean more stuff came out that they have evidence i don't know they haven't taken the evidence yet but they said that they had evidence that he in fact hit his wife this week um they haven't up uh, confirmed that or even updated on that but i think the longer you wait the more that people are going to try and get more info on the situation, and I think it can get even more gruesome. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play again. I don't think he should play again. I think, you know what, you give him a second chance for a guy that punched his pregnant girlfriend. Um, you give him a second chance, you say, you know what, we're going to bring you into this organization, and we're just going to fit you into our culture, but you just got to stay clean. And for him to just do something like that, I mean, I, I, I can't. I really can't see him getting a second chance, or a third chance for that matter, but... Let's be honest, the NFL is a business, and all these teams really do care about is these guys scoring touchdowns for the most part. So would it shock yeah. me if a year and a half from now – listen, he's probably not playing next year at all. But it wouldn't shock me if like a year and a half from now or two years, for some reason, his name pops up and just some team takes a flyer on him, which is sad because they shouldn't. But that's just – that's how the league is, and that's how it's run. Right, and I think the Chiefs just have to – I think it's – Tyreek Hill's future, I think, is more is going to depend more on what the NFL does because the Chiefs are definitely going to cut him. But if the NFL does not ban and him suspended indefinitely, that he can't play ever again, and they just let's say they suspend him for an entire year, or they suspend him for half a season, which I believe isn't that what Kareem Hunt got? He's he's only suspended for the first eight weeks next year. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't think that they're going to give him an eight-week suspension, but if the NFL suspends him for a year and that's it and he sits out another year and then teams are available to take him in 2020, teams are going to pick him up on a cheap deal. And, um, you know, the more and more I actually was thinking about this, the Chiefs – I mean, obviously the situation is is not good anyway, but – you know, imagine if the Chiefs had signed Tyree Kill to a long-term extension before yep. this happened. And, you know, Tyree Kill was in line to get a hefty, hefty payday. He was in line to be paid as one of the top receivers in the game. 
Imagine if the Chiefs gave him a hundred plus million dollar contract, and then he went out and did this. So, yeah. I mean, the situation is, is not good at all. But you know, the Chiefs could have been in a much much more tougher situation if they had to pay him, and then he went out and and, went oh, out and did, yeah. did the act. But yeah, especially uh, in terms of guaranteed money. They gave him five years, like $100 million. I bet you at least probably 50 of it was going to be guaranteed at the start. So they would have been on the hook for that, which would have been put them in, in an even worse situation. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, and then I know Worth alluded to it a couple of weeks ago. Sorry, a couple of weeks ago. A couple of minutes ago when he talked about how the Chiefs did the right thing. They cut Kareem Hunt, and then teams are – praising the Cleveland Browns for giving uh, Kareem Hunt a second chance. Uh, I don't think that – do you do you guys think that that would be the same thing? So let, let's say the Chiefs end up cutting Tyreek Hill and another team signs him. Do you think there will be people out there that will say, oh, the X team. So let's just say, for an example, the New England Patriots pick up Tyreek Hill in 2020. Let's just say, would you think that a team – Sorry, a media member would say that the New England Patriots did a good job by giving them a third chance or no? Um, in my opinion, no. I think uh, I think Kareem's situation is just a lot different from the Tyreek one at first. Obviously, that was Kareem's. Obviously, I mean, people that you talk to regarding Kareem Hunt, um, I know his girlfriend on Twitter even said that he had problems in the past that no one mentioned. Um, but that was his first real offense. And I don't want to make the state the situation uh, make it less than what it is, but he definitely he he kicked her. But it, uh, let's be honest, it wasn't as bad as people were making it out to be. Definitely was not right, not right at all, and he should not have kicked her. But it wasn't as bad as people made it out to be on the video, um, which is part of why I think teams were willing to give him a second chance because it wasn't like he straight up punched her like Ray Rice did or something like that. But um. I think in terms of Tyreek, that that's just his that's his third chance, man. And when when you have yourself on audio saying that, mm-hmm. you know, you open up your son's chest and you punch him and you use a belt on him and you punch him in the arm and he, it, it resulted in a broken arm. I think I think that's where I really just draw the line in terms of giving a guy another chance. I think the PR backlash from something like that would just be too much, just too much, right. you know. Yeah, no, you you know that I completely agree with all that. Yeah, and I think it, it Kansas City, if if uh, KCTV five didn't leak out that audio recording of the incident, I probably think Tyree Kill would have been in a would have been more safer because there would have been no there would have been no extra evidence of 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 him actually confessing because with the Kareem Hunt situation, you actually I mean you you saw the footage and you actually saw him do it, but. You know, there was more. It was more of a speculation thing for Terry Kill, up until the point where the act- the audio leaked. Um, but until, in most cases, until an audio file or video file actually comes comes up, it, it's tougher to speculate. But as soon as that stuff happens, uh, the person who is involved in the situation is in more hot water. But um, yeah, I think. Uh, one more thing to add too. I think I was right when the DA came out and said because when we I was watching the press conference, obviously, right when he came out and said that um, 
you know, they're not filing charges, but they strongly believe that a crime was committed and that they didn't know who did it. I think that was when outlets probably like the media, like the K, uh, KCT TV five, was it KCTV five? Yeah. Um, they definitely were like, okay, well, they think a crime's committed, but they don't know who did it. That's when they probably started digging and saying, all right, something happened here, but we just don't know who did it and they don't have enough evidence. Um, that was the first sign in my eye that like, okay, there's something wrong here. That just doesn't add up that the DA and child protective services think something happened and, uh, they just can't find out who did it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think you're spot on there. Um, so situation that I just did not think would be something that I was going to talk about, but it, it, it's a situation that's really, really sad and it's really upsetting, but um, the Chiefs have to handle it correctly and they have to make the right move. And there's there's no way that they can bring it back for, for the 2019 season. But, yeah, um, but again, moving on to the last part of the, um, of the podcast with you guys, we're going to be going more in depth about the actual draft that happened this weekend. Um, obviously, I mentioned that you guys have some opinions on certain players worth, I know it was a, was very, very happy that the Chiefs were able to get Miko Hardman. And I know Liam was definitely happy they were able to get Juan Thornhill in, uh, in the second round also. But um, going down the list of draft picks they got, obviously Miko Hardman they got from Georgia, a wide receiver who right now looks to be the replacement of Tyreek Hill because he's probably going to be gone. Um, Thornhill, who played a little bit of safety, a little bit of corner, and that looks like a player that can really help the Chiefs secondary. Just like we mentioned also, Kalen Saunders, the defensive lineman, and then Rashad Fenton, a a cornerback in the sixth round, Darwin Thompson, the running back in the sixth round, and they got an offensive lineman, Nick Allegretti, in the seventh, um, before we kind of go through each of the draft picks individually, I will say that there was a video of Darwin Thompson. I think lift. Uh, I think it, I, it was either. I think it might have been him benching like five hundred pounds. Like yeah, know, I, think, I think it was him front squatting. Yeah, yeah. five hundred pounds. <laughs> he's he's a freak. He's a freak. That kid. Yeah, I mean, I saw that video on Twitter. I was like, "Holy crap, dude, man!" Yeah, that, he's a he's a little tweener, but uh, they ran a lot of RPOs in that system at Utah State. But in terms of any of the analytics guys you talk to, and any of the stats guys, kind of tell you that that kid can play. He's got a low center of gravity. He's a little small, but um, and even though his forty wasn't great, I think he ran a four six. He plays a lot quicker than that, not necessarily faster, but. Um, in terms of best case scenario, I think he can be that Tariq Cohen type, um, where you kind of can just move him around and put him in different places and just give him a football. I think that's one of the better picks that they made in the late round. Mm-hmm. It, it can, this is a question that we'll start with. We can either start with Worth or we can start with Liam. Um, kind of after assessing the entire draft and looking over the guys who they drafted, were you satisfied with who they picked, or were there some selections that were questionable and that they could have done better? Again, this Liam or Worth can answer this. Uh, 
So I, I personally really, really like the draft. I, I'm a big, big uh, fan of Brett Veach. I think he's done an excellent job so far. Uh, a lot of people asked why they didn't get a quarterback earlier, um, you know, earlier on. But those, the guys that they really liked, I think, flew off the board there early in the second round. And, um, you know, Juan Thornhill, we keep going back to the kind of the chess piece. Uh, Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew can, can line up as quarterback as well. So, I mean, I, we've got a lot of good, good pieces in our secondary. I'm not too worried about the cornerbacks this year, especially with, with such a good defensive line. I think that will take a lot of pressure off, off of them. And then, obviously, I, I've, I've been on the Nicole Hardman train for probably the last month or so. I've kind of been doing my research on him and watching highlights. Uh, the way he, he doesn't let the ball get into his chest, he catches it out um, with his hands, and he... It has some of the best acceleration I've ever seen. Um, you know, people are comparing him to Tyreek Hill, but I've also seen comparisons to Deshaun Watt or Deshaun Jackson. Sorry, um, and I definitely think that's fitting. He's he's going to be an absolute beast for the Chiefs. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Hartman's best comp is Jackson. I think um, I, Tyreek Hill was, I think, another level of an athlete. Um, he could literally do anything. I think people, for some reason, thought of the stereotype that he was only that burner kind of guy, similar to a Deshaun Jackson, and could only mm-hmm. get past guys. But, I mean, he was a complete wideout. There was times where he was going for jump balls, 50-50 balls. He'd come down with them. His vertical was unbelievable. Um, I think Hardman's more of that Deshaun Jackson type. Um, and I think that corner, too, I, I, people forget that they brought in Keith Reeser, a guy that in the AAF was really solid. Obviously, the competition's not as great, but they had him in there uh, on the roster a while back, and they liked him well enough to bring him back and give him a deal. Um, so I think that'll factor into it. Again, I think Thornhill's just good. I think he's going to be really good. Um, and the same thing can be said with Saunders. I think Saunders can play multiple positions along the defensive line. Um Fenton, I'm not really necessarily sold on. Uh, you know, I think in terms of fifth, sixth, seventh round picks, you're going on athleticism. Um, you're basically mm-hmm. taking shots in the dark at those positions. So I'm a fan of just Outside. taking athletic freaks in those uh, mm-hmm. rounds. But And you know how I feel about Thompson. I think Allegretti's solid, too, especially in the seventh round. A guy that can mm-hmm. play multiple positions. Okay. So I, so I saw a pretty interesting stat on Allegretti earlier, actually. Uh, said he was tied for first in pass blocking efficiency among power five offensive guards in the 2019 draft class. And he also didn't allow a single sack in the last 15 games. So he's a, I think he's a, what, a three-year starter, two-year captain. Uh, and he could actually be a kind of a late-round gym for the Chiefs. Yeah, especially, too, I think his Wonderlick score was like 42 out of 50. Which wow. Is, uh, which is pretty bright for a guy like that. Which yeah. definitely will read in terms of uh, learning other positions and playing guard, center, tackle, whatever they needed to play. Yeah, absolutely. And Reed, Reed does a fantastic job of develop, developing offensive linemen, so I'm really not too worried there. Yeah, I like this draft. I, honestly, I like this draft a lot better than last year's. I, I liked last year's draft for Beach, but there were certainly some uh, picks where you scratched your head a little bit. But I think looking back on it now, I think – a case could be made that Beach knew that they were going to be switching to a 4-3, and that's why he took guys like Breland Speaks and Dorian O'Daniel. Um, I think there's even a chance that, you know, they were – I think he wanted to move on for, from Sutton, but you know how Reed is with his certain coaches and guys. He just rides and dies for him. So I think he was probably willing to give him one more year. But once that uh, – once the weaknesses were shown in that Patriots game, they knew they just got to move on. 
Man. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. I, I think Reed would probably wanted to hold on for Sutton for another year, and I'm sure Veach was was uh, really pushing to, to get rid of him. But Reed Reed can be a little too loyal at times. Yeah, he. Yep, I completely agree with that. Yep. Ah uh, man, as soon as Liam mentioned the Patriots, I was starting to get PTSD about that. <laughs> My bad. Ah, uh, you're good. You're good. Um, <laughs> so out of out of the players that we that we've just mentioned, how many would you think can actually? Now, I would say I'm gonna say start have a chance to at least make the second unit on the Chiefs because I mean just like. Liam said that the sixth and seventh round picks are more of a shot in the dark. Um, you know, where do you think Thornhill can actually start alongside Tyron Matthew, or do you think he'll be playing behind Jordan Lucas or or Amani Watts, or do you do, do you think he'll actually be able to make an impact right away? I really think he can. Um, I think again, I'm a big analytics guy, and one of the best comparable guys on most of the websites you look at for that is Byron Jones, and I think that fits perfectly for what he's done in college. Um, and PFF grades will tell you that he was really solid at corner, especially his second year. But once they move him to safety, I mean, his grade went from like an 82.2 to like an 89.4, um, and I think he's just so athletic, and he can play multiple positions. He's a he's a heat seeking missile. Um, you turn on the film, he's in the backfield all over the place. He's a ball hawk. He can make plays. I I really think he can contribute um, and make a really big impact early. Same can be said for Hardman, and I think even Saunders can make an impact. Um, Benton, I'm I'm not really sold on. Uh, I'm not in love with that pick, but listen, it's a six-round pick. You're taking shots in dark. I think Allegretti can definitely be uh, a, depth, a depth piece, um, not necessarily start, but can be a swing guy. And I think Thompson's a sleeper, too. I think if they can get him the ball, him and Hardman, if you can find ways to get them the ball, they can make a lot of plays in this offense. Yeah, so going into the season, would you still think that Damian Williams is their number one back? Um, yeah, I think so. I think, I think he's really solid. Um, he's definitely a great pass catcher, which is one of the things that they value. But I think, I think Thompson's a great pass catcher too. And that could definitely be his role. I think you can see a bit of a timeshare situation. Um, a little bit similar to like what the Falcons had a few years back with Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Not necessarily the same thing, but I think you can see both guys split time and still be really effective. The, the Chiefs are Chiefs are really deep at running back this year. People forget about Carlos Hyde. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm yep. assuming da- I'm assuming Damien will start. Carlos will fill in, um, and then I actually like Daryl Williams as well. And add Darwin Thompson to that lineup. That's pretty pretty scary. They're, we're still gonna have a lot of weapons, um, no matter what happens with Tyreek. And Mahomes is gonna elevate all the players around him as well. Yep. Yep. Didn't the, didn't the Chiefs also get a run, uh, running back like uh, they didn't get another named James yeah. James Williams? Was it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They I just mean, love Williams, man. I mean, they just love him. Yeah, yeah. they do. <laughs> um. Yeah, man. We're gonna have an entire starting unit of Williams, but uh, um, more kind of switching into the wide receiver spot. Do you would you say Miko Hardman kind of falls into the third wide receiver, right behind Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson now? Yeah, I, I definitely think he. I, I definitely think he can. I think he. I think he's to step in and contribute right away. Um, but there are a few other receivers 
that guys aren't talking about. I actually really like Byron Pringle. I know he got injured, um, but apparently he was having a really good camp and a really good offseason. Um, and then, you know, Gary Dieter's got a pretty good connection with Mahomes as well. I think he'll, he'll be just fine. I, I'm not too worried about our wide receivers, but a starting lineup consisting of Michael Hardman, DeMarcus, and, and Sammy's going to be pretty solid. We should Sammy just stay healthy. Well, yeah. Yep. Well, I think the problem. Sammy's a game changer. Right. The thing that you have to worry about with Watkins is he is a game changer, but he's not going to be playing 16 games for you an entire season. There's going to be times where he's not going to be he's going to be out, and I think a little bit more pressure on the Chiefs' offense just because I don't think Mika Hardman's going to come in and be, you know, a thousand yard receiver like Terry Kill has done for the past two years. But you know, Watkins I think is going to play 11, 12 games, and when he's healthy and when he's playing in those games, he's a game changer. But um, I've always been a fan, a big fan of Demarcus Robinson. I thought Demarcus Robinson had a I wouldn't say a breakout year, but he got more reps as the season um, went on last year. I thought Demarcus Robinson made some good strides. Yeah, I think uh, on that note, sorry for interrupting, but I think um, the last couple of games, Suey, he kind of came on pretty hot. I know the Seattle game, he had a touchdown. I know the Raiders game, he had a touchdown. And uh, and even the playoffs, he, he played okay, not necessarily stats-wise, but he was open at points, and he's obviously a pretty good blocker, so... Um, in, in terms of breakout, this is probably going to be his year where you're expecting him to put up some pretty solid numbers, especially if Watkins does go down. Yeah, he's he's got a great connection with Mahomes too. You saw it from the um, you know two years ago when we drafted Mahomes in those preseason games. Him and Demarcus were just clicking on all cylinders, and we kind of saw that. Liam, um, you know, like you said, there towards the end of the year as well. Yeah. So would you guys rule out the possibility that the Chiefs pick up? a wide receiver through a trade because I, I there was some speculation that before the draft started and this was all this was kind of while the Tyree kill situation was going on that the Chiefs were maybe thinking of maybe trading for Nelson Aguilar for for from Philadelphia do you think that do you think there's no way that they that they make a trade not not only for Aguilar but just another receiver or do you think they're just they're set uh, with Brett Veach, I'm never ruling anything out, to be honest. Um, I, this doesn't, doesn't just apply to receiver, the receiver core, receiving core, but we have, after Eric Berry's post-June one numbers hit, we'll have about $26 million in cap left, I believe. Um, that's not including the draft, so I think that'll be closer to like 20, around the $20 million mark. Um, but anyway... Beach is just aggressive, and I, I could definitely see him making another move, whether that's for a guy like A.J. Green, Agle, or maybe Patrick Peterson. Yeah, I wouldn't rule anything out for sure. He's obviously probably the most aggressive GM in the league. I just think it's it's very, not necessarily odd, but interesting that they have so much cap room this year, and especially when you look at Frank Clark's deal. I think he only cut, uh, counts the cap for about $5 million this year. I just don't think you structure it that that contract that way unless you're not thinking about going to get another guy um i mean five million is really cheap you know it'd be one thing if it was like nine or eight months but like five million is cheap cheap um so i wouldn't rule out a guy like patrick peterson or maybe even aj green but 
I mean, if I was Brett Veach, I literally would just call Arizona and say, "All right, what do you what do you want for Patrick Peterson?" Because if you want to, like, yeah. if they say, you know what, we just want a future first next year, and maybe even like a, a third or like a, a future fourth or something, like I would do that deal in a heartbeat. Because you're just get you're adding another chess piece to the defense. And if we're talking about a defense that has Frank Clark, Chris Jones, uh, Juan Thornhill, Badger. Patrick Peterson, Fuller, I think then you're really talking and you just solidified your defense completely. Dude, and Kendall Fuller, is an, an, it's good that you mentioned him because Kendall Fuller is uh, a name that people, I think especially Chiefs fans in Kansas City, are maybe forgetting a little bit. I mean, I don't think Kendall Fuller is a lockdown number one corner, but I thought he did his job I mean, he, he was. Per, I think he was played most of the, most of the games last year. But I thought he did his job as maybe a number two corner, and they got what they bargained for when they got him from Washington. Yeah, I think he's not a household name because he's not necessarily a ball hawk. But in terms of coverage, he's really sticky. And remember too, I think he played with a broken thumb for like the final four or five games last year. Um, mm-hmm. So I think when he's fully healthy. Especially, it took him some time. The first couple games, he definitely struggled a bit. But once he got more accustomed to that scheme, I think a full offseason of learning uh, Spagnuolo's scheme and being able to adjust, I think that in terms of breakout, um, this could definitely be his year, too. Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, you saw uh, the success he had in Washington, and I definitely think that can be uh, translated under Spagnuolo. Really, it's like the topics I talked about, the Frank Clark trade, the Tyreek Hill situation and kind of the overview about the latest draft picks that the Chiefs made over the weekend. Aside from that, are there any other topics or thoughts that have been on your mind that you guys haven't really had the opportunity to to express yet, or is everything you guys have said been said? Uh, I mean, I think we covered a pretty good amount, honestly. Yeah, well, well done, Stephen. You put together a good good yeah, list for today. We we hit a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um yeah, but before we uh before we end, uh Liam, if you want, you can tell Worth uh, about what got you interested in making your videos for Chief Central Productions cuz I thought I think it's pretty cool. Thank you. Um it's funny. I, my uncle always had uh the Sunday ticket direct TV package dating back to uh like when it first came out in like 1994. Um and he was always a diehard Green Bay Packers fan as was one of my cousins. Um, and then my other cousin was a Niners fan and I was a Giants fan up until probably around 2006, 2007 when they won that, that second Super Bowl. Um, but I just thought it was pretty cliche that everyone here was Giants and Jets fans. Um, and I just wanted to be something different. And I think I just remember it was 2008 and they were, the Chiefs were just so bad. And for some reason I was like, Hey, like, I'm just going to like the worst team in football. Um, so I, I just started following them. Um, and thankfully, it kind of just worked out. But I just started getting into videos just because I always looked up highlight videos and stuff. And no offense to the people that were making them, but there was a lot of ones that were just not great quality. And I was like, hey, like if I can put my own twist on something like this and add my own music and kind of layer some visual elements together, um, that'd be something cool to do. So, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, because you're up to wow. you're up to six point eight thousand subscribers around there. Yeah. Yeah, um, especially too, like, I used to be able to crank out videos like it was my job, uh, <laughs> especially when I was in high school, like my junior and senior year, um, 
especially senior year because I really didn't have to do much. I would just literally sit down once or twice a week and be able to crank out a video on like a Saturday morning. Not as much now just because college and stuff and I got so much stuff going on. But um, whenever I do have free time, I try and throw together a video. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So, and it is just for the people that when they do watch the podcast, it's your, your Twitter is Chief Central, correct? Yep, Chief Central on Twitter and then Chief Central Productions on YouTube. You can subscribe there. Yeah, man, I've been a subscriber nice. for three years. Oh, that's that's hype, man. Appreciate that. Yeah, appreciate the support. Well, yeah, I mean that's how that's how I was able to actually find Liam. I was able to find his his videos, and then I didn't realize that he actually lived in New Jersey, and I was like, "What the heck is this Chiefs fan doing in New Jersey?" But you know, apparently he's one of the diehard fans, but. You know, Liam, you got to, you got to, you got to make a game at Arrowhead next yeah, year. Yeah, no, I, I definitely yeah. have to. Yeah, I, uh, I went to, I went to see them in Pittsburgh this past year because um, my dad's a Steelers fan. I saw them play the Giants and lose both games to the Jets and the Giants in MetLife, which was absolutely terrible. Um, it's funny, like it's, I have some connections to like people in the area that have been Chiefs fans or. I know that my uh, one good friend from town, his dad coached Tamba Holly at Teaneck. Um, oh, wow. To get me some signed gear and stuff. Um, so I always had that connection. Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. There's more Chiefs fans than people realize, especially in this day and age. I, I know a few. Um, and it's definitely a cool thing to know that like there's other fans in this area that support them. Yeah, man. Yeah, good for you. We need fans all over the place. We need yeah, exactly. be plenty of uh, and, plenty of highlight opportunities with Mahomes and his quarterback for the next about ten years. Yep, big facts, big facts, big facts. Yeah, I think Liam was the uh, Liam made hype videos for Patrick Mahomes before he even made his uh, first start last year. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, my senior year, like I said, I really just didn't do anything senior year, and that's gonna sound terrible. But um, uh, I basically just up up until the draft, I was just watching film and stuff at an art class where we didn't have to do much, and I would just sit back. And I, I think after that playoff game with Pittsburgh, especially like that was how many years in a row we just lost in the playoffs. Especially it was to my dad's team. I was like, man, they just got to go get a quarterback. And right when you turned the Mahomes tape on, it was just the way the ball came off his hand, um, the accuracy and stuff. And you saw that the offense that they were running wasn't as air raid as people expected. They were tailoring a lot, a lot of the things to his strengths. Um, I think that's when I was like, all right, like they really just need to go get this kid. And uh, Mike Seidman could not have been better when they traded up 17 spots to get him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, he's uh, like you said, just watching his his college tapes was very exciting. Though, and he was gonna be Kansas City Chief. No, Chiefs fans, whether Chiefs fans are the ones that live in New Jersey, live in uh, Great Britain, or live in Kansas City, every Chiefs fan deserves Patrick Mahomes. After what the Chiefs have been yeah, through, yeah. quarterback, we have deserved our franchise quarterback for some time now, and. We just got to we got to enjoy every single second of them because um, it was not like this. It was not like this, and no, nope. um, nope. said before we before we kind of before we ended here, I I just will say, I don't think people, especially I don't think people in Kansas City, realize how much of an a star Mahomes is right now, and 
you guys have you guys have probably already seen that Mahomes was on the Madden 20 cover. Now, hopefully, it's not a Madden curse, but just to even have a quarterback in Kansas City to just come off an MVP season to be on a cover of one of the most popular video games ever, it shouldn't mean a lot to, to Chiefs fans because the Chiefs have not had a player. Not only as talented, but as marketable as Patrick Mahomes, they have they have not had a guy. The only closest thing I could say maybe was maybe Jamal's, maybe Tony Gonzalez, but they're they they're not they're not, they're not going to Mahomes is going to just rack up so much revenue on Adidas and other sponsorships. It's going to be absolutely insane. <laughs> yep, yeah, I completely I completely agree. We deserve him. Yeah, I I do think he's he's the face of the NFL right now. Like you said, he's the most marketable player out there. Right, and that's the thing that I don't think. I hope people, especially Chiefs fans in Kansas City, appreciate because it 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 it's we've been we've spent so many years, forty, fifty years, have seen other quarterbacks be the franchise, and we've been begging and begging and praying. When can we have our own franchise quarterback? And when can we have a quarterback that can be the poster boy of the league? And Patrick Mahomes at 23 years old is is that guy. So, But I, with that, guys, um, I do appreciate you guys actually taking the time to uh, to answer questions and actually form this podcast. I appreciate it. I know Liam um, had a lot of opinions on the Chiefs. I'm glad he was able to 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 state them and worth who came on back in December uh he had some he had some opinions about the Chiefs when the season was kind of winding down but it's good that he's back on but again guys I do appreciate you guys actually taking the time and coming on I appreciate you for having us man uh look yeah. forward to talking to you guys again sometime down the road yeah yeah we'll definitely Absolutely. we'll hopefully we can get something going before uh the 2019 season kicks off in September yeah that is all we have for you in today's episode of the Bounce Pass. Remember to keep it locked and loaded for the next episode down the road. Once again, I'm your host, Stephen Abramo, and thank you for listening to the Bounce Pass by the Sportsman Network.